Welcome to Real Indigenous, where Indigenous peoples get real about what's on our screens and everything in between. In this episode, everything in between will be things between your cheeks, my cheeks, in one cheek in January, and then the other cheek here in December of 2023. That's right. We're going to talk about what we think were the highlights of the last year from cheek to cheek. We're going to kind of hit maybe our favorites. I bet some of us will agree on some of those highlights, and then some of us might reveal new things, but we're all going to be ready to talk about what we think were important things to not forget about this particular year. So without further ado, I'll just briefly say, Madhu Wicca, this is Sunrise, and we'll move through our other regular co-hosts. Uvanga Angela starts. Holly to Chimichukma, this is Tully. This is Matt Bars. All right. Uh, and we're gathered here to talk again, like I said, about our favorites. We, we basically drafted a list of three of our top favorite things from this last year. So we're going to count down. We're going to start with our number three. So, Angela, let's hear about your number three. The number three. My number three are the two live events that I was able to attend and get interviews of artists that are in the trenches, basically. And the first one was the IPX at First Americans Museum, where everybody was selling all of their Indigi nerd stuff. And then the second one was the Teton Trade Cloth Fashion Summit. And it was really great to be able to interview all of the artists and attendees to see how we are existing in these spaces in 2023. What would you say are some of those spaces, just so that anybody who hasn't heard? The IPX looks at fantasy and sci-fi, and it deals with a lot of where we exist in those spaces, like Super Indian or like Roy Boney working with Marvel and graphic novels and superheroes. And, you know, there were a lot of great cosplaying that was going on in that space. And everybody was taking these characters and indigenizing them. And it was just really fun. It was a really fun atmosphere of exploring Coyote and Crow, the role-playing game, and getting a, oh my gosh, getting to interview Kanye Teho Horn, who's Deer Woman on Reservation Dogs. That was awesome. And talking to Roman Zaragoza, who's in Ghosts, who was there. So... It was just, it was a lot of fun in those spaces, you know, taking up space on broadcast television and in streaming services, graphic novels, superheroes, that kind of stuff. And then the other one is, you know, the fashion spaces of the runway and indigenizing that space. Yeah. So if anybody's interested in those areas, you should check out our IPX episodes very lively you can certainly hear the energy in the background and the expediency at which people hit like uh, the questions and there's such great energy and that's an amazing feeling that we're just alive and we're hitting all these different areas uh, just like angela's saying that i understand why that's your number three tully what about you well i didn't compile no list or nothing so i'm trying to think of what it's going to be and so they're probably not let into the uh in a certain number so I'm just going to try to like chicken wing it. Unless Matt, let's let Matt go first and then he might inspire me to think of something oh, else. Okay. Yeah. Oh, 
So, like, as far as the, the show is concerned, I mean, I started, I came on in January and started editing podcasts, and then I've become more of a contributor lately. But one of my favorite interviews so far has been uh, Patrick is a Navajo. Really down-to-earth guy. His YouTubes, if, if I'm ever in down in the dumps or just not feeling so great, the, his YouTube channel always puts me in a good mood. And talking to him, everyone talking to him on the podcast, I, he has some really great insight onto films that I hadn't thought of. He broke down Jurassic Park and Spielberg in a way that kind of made me, that I, that things that I didn't see. And just he's just a really down-to-earth, chill guy. And just kind of hearing about his editing process also gave me ideas that I, I or an insight into editing that I hadn't, that stuff that I hadn't thought of. It kind of made me reassess a lot of my editing techniques, not only in podcasts or just like video editing also. And he's a funny guy, too. He's a fun, funny guy. He is a funny guy. And funny and intelligent. And like that mix really, mm-hmm. yeah. He uh, is quick. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If you haven't checked him out, you should check him out. Patrick is a Navajo on YouTube. Yeah. Other shit's hilarious and good. And it, like you said, insightful. Definitely. Mm-hmm. yeah and like what matt's saying it's like it always it's like always uplifting every time it comes up i've got a big smile on my face i'm laughing all the way through it definitely feel like it's like native medicine uh, of the social media kind it definitely also like unites and it's sort of like it's like or like old school rap where it's like giving me the news of the day it's like this happened and this happened and this happened and uh, it's maybe maybe it's more aligned with like the the daily show <laughs> I guess it's like my version of the daily show. Oh, the, the, yeah, the style. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, totally. You've had enough time to think about a number three. Oh, fuck you, Sunrise. I, definitely not Sunrise. <laughs> sunrise is my lower. Three, <laughs> my three worst. And Your three worst. Guess which one's number one, Sunrise. <laughs> well, <laughs> well as, long, as long as you meet a deadline, <laughs> I'm fine with that. <laughs> Yeah, it's really hard. Like you said, it's been a good year of of shit going on and people doing shit and a bunch of fucking things happening. And, you know, we had at first I was thinking going through for the obvious of Res Dogs coming to its final season, getting to see that and experiencing that at the River Spirit. I didn't get to see Sunrise, but I got to see everybody else. Sunrise was in the VIP section. I was up there in the nosebleed seats. And so just seeing that, seeing how everybody was celebrating that and having that honored. That was a big deal for me, having my kid with me to watch it with me. So that that's tied with my friend who's we're going to have on a future show is uh, my friends, actually, Kyle Williams and uh, Nico, who have a band called Medicine Horse. And they put their album out recently. And just to hear their music and having to sit with uh, Kyle as he played like some of the early tracks of his songs and playing the riffs to them and then finally getting to hear it. And it's like crazy ass heavy metal like you have to really like heavy metal to, to listen to their music, but their music's very deep and very a lot of good shit that happens within it. So, so unfortunately, I'm giving you all a tie. So tie for number three was the hanging out with everybody, all the natives, to watch the the final two episodes of Res Dogs and Medicine Horse putting out their new album. I don't know what are they called now. They're not CDs. What are they called nowadays? Just their music dropped. Well, I the mean, music, yeah. if it's, it's a an full album, album, yeah, yeah. If it's an album, it's an album. Yeah. Okay. If it's just tracks, I guess you would just call it tracks, I guess. Can you uh, describe a little bit of like the kind of music and the style or 
like what they write about what what do you what are you liking about their style well, it's indi- it's indigenous focused so it's talking about indigenous issues like mmiw songs and one of the songs is even in the cherokee language and so it's just really cool and it's just telling these deeper kind of things but it's also really fucking heavy metal i mean like I mean, it's like, you know, that kind of shit, whatever you, I don't even know what the fuck, you know, where they ground. I mean, this is Nico singing and she's like, you know, if you ever talk to her, she, you know, she's like, Hey, what's up? But then when she's singing, it's like this whole different person. And it's so fucking awesome. And when you see them live, it's like, you get crunk, man. You just like get all up in that shit. I mean, I never, I don't get, what do they call mosh pit? Marsh, I don't get up in the mosh pit, but shit, you know, you're like headbanging and shit. I mean, but it's a type of music that you would have to enjoy in order to listen to it. And because it is heavy. I mean, it's not just Metallica heavy, but it's like fucking hardcore heavy metal shit. And it's good shit, dude. So y'all okay. go buy, buy their albums. And do, do you know where we can get it? We can probably just go to any where, wherever good music is sold, man. Wherever yeah, movie. CDs, cassette tape, eight track record player. Fucking really? Spotify. Real, real to real. <laughs> real to real. <laughs> Fucking uh, smoke signals. I think you play music through smoke signals since they're native. They play smoke signal music. Wax cylinders. <laughs> Wax cylinder. Yeah. Fucking uh, iTunes. Whatever. You know, wherever fine music is sold. Okay. Well, uh, go out and find where the fine music is sold. And don't uh, rip it. Pay these indigenous artists. I don't know if it's true or not, but I was told to buy the one that you can actually get at a store or off Amazon as a physical album is what you should get because when you buy it through the digital arena they get less mm-hmm. money so you try to buy the cd or okay. whatever it is that... yeah know. that's great to know right so if you want to support these native artists buy the physical all that makes a lot of sense it, i think it just sounds better anyway like if you listen to the disc i think there's just more sound information sunrise you're just talking like an old man that's true i sound old but i I agree with that old sentiment. Now you're Sunrise. What is it? Okay, so uh, top three. So the, my third one, really, it's just kind of seeing... It's been great to see Debbie Jacobs' career kind of blossom in a new direction this year. Because of season three of Res Dogs, she transitioned from being just a writer in season two for the Mabel episode into a director. And um, this also comes at a time where it feels like she's also you know, in writing labs, like she was... Uh, Toronto Writing Lab, and um, she's sort of like co-working, co-directing, co-producing film. There's a couple films that came out at uh, Toronto International Film Festival, one called This Place and Backspot. It's like a cheerleading film, and then it's sort of like a coming of age. I think once those get released, we'll start to see a little bit more of her presence. But I feel like it's sort of like an on-ramp for her to get into this larger part of her career. When Echo drops next month it feels like we'll see like another one of those steps and it just feels like those things in addition to the fact that she got into like this you know social media emphasis in her response to killers it felt like we're really kind of seeing the growth of this particular artist in a very different ways and the fact that she was able to hold a very strong position about that particular film and kind of spoke for many of her contemporaries and a time where like people needed to have that voice i felt like all of that uh, was really indicative of kind of like the maybe the work that she's been earning 
and kind of building toward. I feel like we're starting to see the blossoming of all of that work. So I feel like that's, you know, a really good sign for anybody that wants to kind of go into any of these kind of creative careers. And she's a good example of how all that's kind of playing out after so much work. Just seeing that kind of career blossom and the fact that it's also this young indigenous woman, I think is really awesome. So I feel like we're on the verge of seeing something really great from her. So maybe there's some glimmers of something that's about to come. Is something that I saw was awesome. Yeah. And once these other films come out, I feel like, again, go see them. This place is really interesting because it's like an Asian indigenous Mohawk love story to some degree or sort of like relationship. And uh, I feel like that's something we rarely ever see. It's sort of like these uh, multicultural interactions that are more grounded in realism. You know, a backspot is a queer cheerleader movie. So it's just interesting to kind of see these other areas beyond just like our conventions of community identity coming of identity is like she and her work is really kind of like pushing the boundaries of where and how we could be represented in new ways let's hit number two what are people's number twos angela where where do you sit on a, on a second great of the year i think that my number two is the fact that we interviewed more than 30 people on our podcast. We had over 30 guests on Real Indigenous Podcast, and they were all amazing. I think our biggest get or our most popular has been our interview with Lily Gladstone tied in with our interview with Jane Meyer. It's been the most popular, most downloaded episode, which is awesome because those ladies are two ladies that will inspire anyone. Yeah, what but we've also yeah, we've also talked to Erica Trimblay. We've also talked to Jordan Bennett Begay, Aaron Tripp, Larissa Fasthorns, Nyla Inukshuk, Kolan Studi, and of course our biggest interview, Wes Studi. Angel, do you feel like there was a maybe to get into some inside baseball? Did you feel like there was one that was harder to get, or uh, maybe a, there was a lot of work that had to happen to get to it? It's our benefit that we did. I think that West Studi was probably the one we had to work the most for simply because of the fact that he has never been on any podcast before ever. With his busy schedule, the fact that we were able to get some time with him in the middle of the day, I, you know, just for our listeners, we usually record this in the evenings or on the weekends. But the fact that we were able to get him at any point at any time was thrilling. And there were a lot of moving parts to getting him on the show i mean oh my gosh it was a dream interview i thought and who's your big get for next year that's a good question i would love to have lily back on you know i interviewed lily at dead center and we had five minutes in a tiny crammed room where we were talking about mmiw and fancy dance so if we could get some more time with her that would be fantastic that would be that's my number two yeah, all of the interviews the 30 interviews, interviews. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so now we got to get at least 30 more in this next year. Oh, my gosh. Kelly. Number two, it's hard to say that, you know, this was like my favorite show or anything, because I guess if it's even like heart wrenching, I guess it could still be a favorite, but it was exhausting and it was hard to do. And I had to do it in increments. But one of the best stories, uh, media that I experienced this year, and it wasn't always in a good way, but it was in a almost in a healing way because you're experiencing something that these people are experiencing was the Little Bird series. And that is like 
a recommendation for anyone to watch and to just be in that place, be in that emotion, because that shit fucking it tore me down. Like, like I said, every 10 minutes, I was fucking bawling my eyes out and I had to stop, take a breath, you know, take a break. And it was that hard of a movie to watch. And so, you know, I'm like, God, you know, uh, I can't finish this movie, but or the show, whatever you want to call it. But the reality is, like, these cats went through so much worse, you know. You know, I, I'm fortunate enough that I, I had my parents. I didn't have to go through boarding school experience and all this kind of stuff. But, you know, we all know, or we all, or maybe some of us have experienced these things where we've gone through it all. And I just felt like this show was just, like, fucking an experience. Of course, you're going to compare in comparison to the Killers of the Flower Moon movie where, we said if we saw it from the native perspective, maybe we would have had more of an emotional, you know, more of a closer feeling because this is what Killers of the Flower Moon should have been was this show where you get to know what the story is. You get to know what happened. You get to know the experience and you get to understand what it was like because that's what it was to me. And it was Elamaya who directed, the, I think, the first three episodes. Elamaya. Tail, Feather. Tail Feathers. Tail Feathers. You know, we need to message Alamaya. It's like, dude, make a comedy next because all your movies are fucking breaking my heart, dude. Because they're just... They <laughs> I, are. I don't, think, I don't think she's ever made a comedy. I mean, everything's just about these gut-wrenching, hard-hitting stories. And this was one of them. And also a shout-out to PBS because I saw them PBS for having this be shown. And PBS is, I guess, my, my favorite of the Native American Heritage Month. You know, all these different programming that some of these streams do, some don't. And... This was, I think, PBS tends to kick it out of the park because they did this. They did the Native America series, the Buffalo one, and then all the other stuff that they do to fund Native storytelling. This was like one of my best. Did you guys see it? I haven't seen it yet. No, but been tracking it. <laughs> yes, I, I have. So we should probably maybe do a show on that. Uh, I definitely want to talk about it. You know, it's nice to see work from Zoe Hopkins again. It's another writer's room that we should be talking about. But yeah, it I, it seemed like it took so long to get here. It was definitely playing in Canada before it played here. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know if it's it like a February or March when they played yeah, it. Yeah, right. AP, what is it, APTN? A Aboriginal Public yeah, Television a Network. TN. Mm -hmm. But you saw it on PBS. Did you see it? Like, was it all weekly or was it streaming? How did, in terms of PBS, how did you see it? They dropped it weekly. I watched it on that. Yeah, they did it. They did it weekly, but I watched it on the Roku app. Oh, you could have got it on the Roku app. Oh shit! Yeah, if you download Passport, they'll make the episode that's from that week available. If you don't, if you're not a Passport member, but if you do do the Passport, then you're able to watch all of the episodes. Okay. All yeah. Or you can you can binge it if you missed it weekly. Then it's accessible through Passport. Oh, okay. I missed the first couple episodes, so I went ahead and did my donation to PBS. And you have to donate for like a year long, and they give you like a five dollars up to however much you want to spend. And so I guess now I'm a I'm a pledge. Oh yeah, of PBS. PBS. Yeah. To watch this show, and to me, it's it's worth it. Plus, they have a lot of other great uh, programming. Like you said, a lot of native stuff on there. Oh, there was also. I'm sorry to fucking take up the time, but there was also. A really good short what do you call it, like a profile on lily gladstone and her oh, yeah. talking about oh, her yeah. acting and her performance and she's doing yeah. like these workshops with children with the kids yeah yeah, yeah. You, you guys saw that one yeah so, good. i did like that one a lot and that was really inspiring and that whole idea of again talking about killer flower moon is like 
what would Killer Flower Moon be without her? You know, it would be a totally different experience in a different movie because she talked about how people don't see how she prepares for these types of characters and how she steps up and like, you know, what looks like on screen is her just being quiet, not loud, not boisterous, but what she's doing is she's acting. That's preparing to be that character. And we don't think about that. When we want to think about acting, we want to think about like Al Pacino screaming around or, you know, Jack Nicholson hamming it up for a monologue. You know what I'm saying? And so, but acting is really about everything, the whole being of acting. And I'm not an actor, but I played one on TV once. Yeah, that short really does get into her process of what she thinks is important about acting. And you kind of see her convey it to these kids. And I think it's like right before she gets the call for killers, right? So I think we see her as she preps for that call or takes the call. And then we kind of see her respond a little bit about it. I believe that is correct. That's a great profile and worthy of its own watch. Yeah, very cool. So supporting PBS. Here in the States, that's how you can watch it. Otherwise, like if you're in Canada, First Nations could probably watch it on the Crave channel. I'm not sure if it's available outside of these. Yes, it is on Crave, yeah. Matt Pars, are you? what are you forced to support with your number two? Film festivals. I had a really great experience at the Dead Center Film Festival this year. Saw some really great indigenous cinema. Fancy Dance, big one. We Will Speak about the Cherokee language. Amazing shorts. The Dead Bird Hearts by Ryan Redcorn. Um, Daily Life of Mistress Red by P. Sean Bread. What was great was um, meeting most of the filmmakers that made these. Pishan's really, I mean, you guys interviewed her. She's really down to earth and supportive. I got to meet Wes Studi. That was exciting. He was a producer on um, the We Will Speak. Also a very nice fellow. What was, I, I, I got to speak, I got lucky enough to speak with Erica Tremblay. And it is amazing just how down to earth she is and a lot of I identify with a lot of like her struggle, and she talks about it in her interviews too. Um, a lot of her struggles with making films, um, talking about imposter syndrome, really encouraging for not just me but up and coming filmmakers uh, to stick with it, even though it's it's tough out there. Yeah, just that, and then just being in a film festival at- atmosphere. If anyone has a chance to go to a local film festival or travel to a film festival, I highly recommend it. Just not only to support independent cinema, but just to kind of see stuff with an audience, with a, a like-minded audience that wants to be there to to watch these, these films. Yeah, I'm going to chime in because I think that this year's Dead Center experience was one of the best mm-hmm. that I've had because of Sunrise's programming and bringing in all of these Indigenous filmmakers and feeling that sense of community and lifting each other up and supporting each other, which is something that I haven't experienced in the past at Dead Center. And I think it was just really fantastic. That's great to hear. I'm getting nervous about next year from all what you're saying, but that's, you know, those are always the goals, I think, of any festival to make it feel like it's an environment that is inviting and it's representative of a community. I'm glad that those things felt like they were working. I also want to just shout out that, you know, Bad Press also played. That was a really great doc that we played there. And also The Roof was a short that we played at Dead Center. And then we also played it again at Indigenous People's Day. It's also one that West Studio was in and also I think helped produce. Those are things that we really tried to make sure that people could see and were represented. And it's great that Bad Press won all these awards. It's great that Fancy Dance won all these awards. 
and it was great to see you know Erica and um, Lily on stage and here and see the rapport. It's glad I'm glad that those things worked. No matter what, support your filmmakers when you go to festivals like that. So there's no better space to meet them and to get an interaction with them. It's I think hard on the street because they're like off to do something else. But like a festival is a place where they're going with the expectation that people are going to talk to them about whatever they're with and they want to talk about stuff. So take advantage of that. If you're near a festival, I agree with Matt, like Dead Center was great. You know, I will, I have the privilege of going to lots of festivals, but if you're near Sundance, go to Sundance because they always have great um, programming. Go to South by there's great programming there Toronto. If you're in that area, go see Toronto International, International Film Festival see imaginative go to santa fe you know all these different places these places are working to bring work you know black star is also a great one in philadelphia you know bipoc filmmakers uh, are being supported there Uh, adam perron is about to do kind of like a workshop and presentation over there yeah just be on the lookout obviously american indian film festival whatever's near you you're probably close to one Uh, look at their program and see if there's any indigenous work there Go support them and reach out. Did you say what your number two was? I did not say what my number two was. Yeah. So uh, my number two really is about the Diné in media. I think it's been an interesting year for them. I guess I'm part of them. (laughs) But, you know, Dark Wind season two, seeing that sort of like reconfigure and seeing the, the expansion of Navajos on that cast and crew. And then hearing a little bit more of the language um, and seeing, you know, the the helm of directing kind of shift into more Navajo hands with Billy Luther. All that stuff has been really great to see. Um, but it's also interesting that just like by comparison, Navajo police class 57 kind of like makes us see a different perspective related to the police force that are Navajo specific. Kind of gives us more facts that we don't get from Dark Winds. Obviously, it's contemporary. Uh, it sort of like challenges the idea of police force. But those two by themselves, it's interesting to see them kind of like play off of each other. And the fact that we have two competing series is really amazing. Navajo Police, we did, I think, you know, we did an episode on that. We kind of talked a little bit about Black Horse. It's great that Black Horse is at EP on that. Also, there are other people involved in that particular show. It's great that, you know, we, we have a cinematographer in that, Shandine Tomei. Black Horse is also, you know, part of this. Like Black Horse is kind of like, Obviously, like Devery, lifting off, he's probably a little bit farther than Devery. The fact that he is like on multiple shows, he's an EP for this Navajo Police. Um, he had his own short film, Metal Belt, that has premiered and it's sort of like on the festival circuit, kind of like bringing back this idea of the festivals and really showing Danette Ta in a different perspective um, and sort of like maybe creating a new, new genre. Um, if you're in the Tulsa area, also Black Horse has been doing stuff with something called Cinedoom at the Circle Cinema, where he's kind of playing films that he likes and kind of like presenting them. And th- that's really great, the sort of like audience building. So th- those are some things that are happening like on the large scale. On YouTube, you know, we've already talked about Patrick as a Navajo. It's great that like his brand and channel is growing and he's sort of like including indigenous criticism. That's really amazing. And uh, there's also this channel Res Life. I, I probably brought it up last time we talked about social media, but Res Life, if you haven't seen it, go to YouTube, watch Res Life. It's really amazing how they give us just a daily experience. And it, it is daily. Um, they show you every day what it's like. 
Um, there was a period where one of the hosts, Brandon, he's dropped his phone. It's broken. He can't show us the period where he dropped the phone to find a replacement. But this year it was just particularly hard for them because they got into this really dangerous accident. And Pamela, the wife, uh, basically broke both of her legs while she was driving in this accident. And it was very challenging to see and, and, and like really painful to hear about. Uh, but we see the support system and we see how positive they remain. We see about people supporting them. And um, all that stuff is real. You know, like that's not fabricated for a story and it's not it's not adjusted for like a documentary series. This is real life. And uh, it just uh, I think it was really great positive social media presence that just shows resilience and support, maybe also challenges to some degree, like the maybe the lifestyles that we see depicted on Navajo Police Class 57, where it feels like it's impoverished and there's maybe less hope um, and little support and family units that are kind of falling apart. But this channel, Res Life, really kind of shows you a resilient family. And they're always together. They're always fighting through. And and you become a part of their family. So if you haven't seen it, I would really suggest watching Res Life. You know, related to Res, we're also, you know, Billy Luther had Fry Bread Face and Me. Really beautiful film. One that we introduced and we had Billy on. And that's really been great to see in the festival circuit also. And it's just going to really prove how important Billy Luther, I think, is and the future of this sort of wherever we are with indigenous media and wherever we go, I think he's definitely a, a bright shining star in that area. You know, of course, we've got uh, Res Ball, which has, has been shot and has yet to come out, but that's going to be another Navajo focused material or and directed, right? So Sidney Friedland, another one of our great television directors working with Angelique Midthunder and, you know, Jessica Matten from Dark Winds is going to be there. Amber is going to be there. Amber Midthunder, Julie Jones, you know, playing basketball. So we're going to kind of see another kind of area that is our part of our lives, maybe that goes underseen. And again, it's related to Navajo driven material. And it's a lot of stuff all under one umbrella, but like I would not have anticipated this last year. It last year was really pushed through by like, you know, those two series, um, maybe three series. Well, and yeah. the Comanches with the prey. And the Comanches with prey, of course. Yeah. I mean, you know, while we're on that, you know, you, you kind of mentioned Jane earlier with our episode, the interview with Jane, which people should check out. But this was a great year for Jane because of prey. You know, prey was last year, but like it was nominated for awards this year. And then Jane got her PGA acronym right so like getting those yeah. letters as a producer and getting awarded for an emmy unprecedented yeah. Um, yeah pga is producers guild of america is that america. correct right absolutely yeah yeah and that's a that's a really difficult vetting system and not everybody who's a producer in the pga gets those letters unless you're nominated for awards by which your colleagues vote right so like you've got to be a candidate for an award of like an Emmy or an Oscar to get those letters. And they don't give them to every producer that's on a production. They give them to like the few that, that actually do the work, right? So like the fact that she's gotten those letters really Im indicates that she's doing the work that she says she does. So like that is, that's also impressive. Like I would probably, you know, that would could be on my list. Yeah. And so those of you who are golfers, she's not going to be uh, going up against Tiger Woods anytime soon. That's Producers Guild of America. <laughs> you know, not unless she makes a a doc she could right 
And uh, you forgot you to mention make another domain by Comanche Way. Somebody who got uh, in charge of running the film festival that you got, Dead Center Film Festival. Mr. Sunrise Chippecani took the keys to the kingdom and he's driving. He's in the driver's seat, pro- running programming, all that shit. So that was a big highlight of this year, wasn't it? Yes. Yes. It yeah. Was. yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. You're probably, are you the first native to run it? Well, I'm, first of all, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not at the top. You know, there's an executive well, you're director running fucking something. I saw yeah, the director, he's the director of programming. The director of programming, yeah. So as far as I know, in our 23 years of existence, next year will be our 24th, I am the first indigenous enrolled to be the head of programming. Yeah, we certainly have indigenous programmers on our team, uh, right? So that includes Paris Burris, but not in the not in this position. So it is an honor and a lot of obligation, and I feel it. I just hope I do well and do right. Because it's also, you know, like going forward, it's not just about indigenous material. You know, like that is definitely a priority, but it's also like, you know, there are many other identities here in Oklahoma specifically that relate to Dead Center. So making sure that they all feel that Dead Center is part of their community and that they're being reflected on screen is also like part of a goal. But, you know, I'm glad you said that. Like, so maybe, I don't know. Let's go to number one. Let's go to our one, the final, you know. And drum roll, please. Drum roll. What is your number one? I would say that my number one is seeing the Thanksgiving play on Broadway and then having the opportunity to interview Larissa Fastworth, who is the author. Being Indigenous in that space on Broadway and seeing the reaction of the non-Native audience to her brilliant writing was just fantastic. And I wish everybody could have participated. And I highly encourage you, if you ever get to see the play, please do, because it is hilarious. It's heartbreaking. And the, at the end, by the end, everybody's covered in blood. So this is why you have to go see it. Yeah. How do they manage the blood? Is that a spoiler? I don't think it's a spoiler because you have to figure out how they all get covered in blood. There is a crew at the end after everybody takes their bows that comes out in hazmat suits. They have to scrub down like the whole theater stage. I can't imagine what the wardrobe budget was for that. We should have asked her. Because... Oh, shit, I didn't think about that. Yeah, because you, now you're going to have to either wash it out or get yeah. new wardrobes each, each showing. Each show. And, you know, that's what, eight performances a week. So, I, I mean, I just can't imagine. And the cast that they had on Broadway, they were brilliant. And yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. So big highlight there going out to the, and so what theater was it? And then it was a second stage on Broadway. Yeah. And was it pretty well attended? I imagine. Oh, the place was packed. I was there during previews and the place was packed. And after I posted, some of my friends had traveled to New York city and ended up going and they were like, Oh my gosh, thank you so much for that recommendation. Absolutely loved it. Absolutely loved it. And have you seen reviews and stuff like that? yeah the reviews the times did a review and everybody just loved it do we know how many weeks it was on was it a six-week run let's see did i go in march or april and then it ran through may wow and so now i feel like you went at the end of march or something like that yeah and that was previews so then it ran through april that's a good run and she's out doing other plays right now yes she's she's knocking it out man she's killing it she's doing the reimagination of Peter Pan, which is on the road right now. So she's been a consultant in rewriting the role of Tiger Lily. And 
and all of the natives that are on whatever island that is, Neverland. An aside, where do we stand with Peter Pan? Should we just retire it or should we, is it, should it be modified and changed? I want to see what her take is, to be honest. I saw the play that goes wrong, did a Peter Pan that goes wrong on Broadway. And they just scrapped the whole indigenous presence out of the entire story. And it was fine. I was really cringy going into it because I was afraid that they were going to bring out the natives, but they stuck with just the rest of it. And it was fine. It was hilarious. But I love the play that goes wrong. So, Yeah, because I didn't watch the the Peter Pan that was on Disney Channel. I watched like the first part of it. And I think they tried to course correct, but it kind of was still kind of complicated. Peter and Wendy rewrote that. Yeah, Peter, they rewrote that to include, was she Anishinaabe? It's it's still kind of one of those questions of, I understand why it was there at the time, because at the time it was adventurous. and But I think that it's fine without having Indigenous people in it. And this, we're talking primarily about the Peter Pan and Wendy from 2023 that was directed by David Gordon Green. Yes. So, yeah. That was like oh, David Gordon Green did that. Yes, or, no, oh, I'm that. sorry, David Lowry, not David Gordon Green. Oh, I was saying, holy shit! Is it, where is, was there murders happen? And was there <laughs> did Michael Myers show up? <laughs> Seth Rogen was uh, Tinkerbell. No, yeah. So sorry about that. I, Dave, the David, the first name was right because he did Pete's Dragon, also right. He did Pete's Dragon, right? Yeah, I like that live version of Pete's Dragon. So anyway, thanks Continue for playing. <laughs> To get back to the highlight of 2023, I think that on Broadway was my number one. Uh, Tully, now let's come around to you. What's your number three or your number one? <laughs> now that we've just heard Angela's just moments ago. Oh my what God. Was that was so amazing, Angela, what you just said. <laughs> I know it's tough to follow up. I know. <laughs> and Larissa is a friend of the pod because. Tully and I both worked on her trailer that was shot here in Oklahoma, like back in the day, 2009, 2007, yep. somewhere like that. A lot in Oklahoma. A lot in Oklahoma. And surrounding areas. Yeah, that was fun. We should do that again. Yeah. Restless Natives. So number one, I think for me, it's just the accumulation of everything. And it's almost what Angela said is like, just keeping them, hopefully we'll keep the momentum going, but we're not just having every 20 years, something big happen and then it falls apart and ends up being just the same old, same old. So hopefully we'll have more, more indigenous content. So for me, it's those people who support indigenous content, those who do things for them, like Cherokee film, who had supported us when, you know, we did a fancy dance and that was through the Indian Territory Film Festival that Angela and Sunrise were working on. And so they were there to generously help us out. And then there was, you know, all these other programs of people who helped fund. I mean, like even Jane, who's probably bigger than Elvis right now, who takes time out to, you know, talk to you and, tr and try to help you with some of the projects you're working on or trying to give you some advice or all those kind of things. She's always there. And so it's all those cats who just, you know, step up and do things and support this stuff and seeing that, you know, Billy Luther's movie, Fabric Face is like number four on Netflix is like a fucking big deal. And seeing, you know, all the articles of Reservation Dogs and the impact that it had and how it pretty much was a game changer and how all these Western writers and Western concept people are recognizing that and saying that this is something that's important. 
and for FX to having the audacity to, or not audacity, but the heart to have a show play like that. I think audacity fits. Okay. <laughs> to, to step up and to step you know, up. Yeah. Yeah. Have that show play. And so it, it's good. And I, we just need to keep it going. And hopefully, you know, the go well, go broke campaign ends and it doesn't affect echo. As I said before, you know, Disney does help in promoting BIPOC people, people of culture, female filmmakers, everybody, right? So they've got, they've stepped up and done stuff. And so we got to give them some praise for that. Maybe forgive them for Pocahontas. But definitely, you know, I think just all those who supported us and who, who've been there for us. And, and it's also my other big thing is, you know, just seeing people I know, like friends and, and even family who are working on these shows. And being a part of this, it's just like fucking it. It's just like makes me so happy just to see it. I get hyped. So that's my number one is all you indigenous people out there who are making this happen. And some of you white folks, too. But like you, yeah, I mean, you, you excluded yourself from that. Uh, oh, you call me white, motherfucker. <laughs> that, that. <laughs> you don't want to be called that. <laughs> but you're excluding yourself from that festival, right? Indian Territory, you were also, that that was almost your brainchild. You were there. Well, it was Alicia's brainchild, and she well, made me do all the work. Basically. You got, you got, you, <laughs> you got the band together. You and, got everybody together. You did all this work. And it was all y'all fucking doing the heavy, heavy lifting. But yeah, the, and did, was the Indian Territory Film Festival that we helped me do yes. again. <laughs> you don't know what your festival's called. <laughs> well, we had like a million names for it, didn't we? Before it was actually decided on. Yeah, but that's what it's known by, Indian Territory Film Festival. Right. So Indian Territory Film Festival up here in Tulsa, like Sunrise says, there's a film festival hopefully happening next year. Fingers crossed. We need to meet, actually, to talk about that. All right. Sunrise, get on that. Set up that meeting. Oh, me? Yeah, you're no. in charge this year. That's a, that's, no, that's. No. He's dead that's center. A, that, that's a oh shit! Interest. That's right. But we're going to be under the umbrella, dead center. I think. Is <laughs> no, that is not no, no, true either. No, no. He's already got his hands full with continuing <laughs> and dealing with First Americans Museum. Oh yeah, we had First American Museum showing up for us, real indigenous. Yeah, I mean, we do need to give a special shout out to First Americans Museum for partnering with us for programming for Indigenous Peoples Day and for hosting the Pipe for February book talk. That we hosted. Yeah, I mean, like that would be probably a number one for someone. It should be. We certainly wouldn't be where we are without them. Those two events. And then also, I guess we, you know, help with rodeo and uh, our introduction for Fry Bread Face and Me. It's been yes. nice to be able to collaborate with these organizations. Yes, I really appreciate Oklahoma City's film scene. Well, Matt Sparse, speaking of somebody who is participatory at the Fry Bread Face and Me intro, we're now down to your number one. Oh my. Uh, kind of similar to Tully's, it's kind of a, it's broad, but, you know, growing up, reading movie reviews, reading movie magazines, watching making of behind the scenes stuff, um, it's been really great to not just watch, but, but participate in being a part of a conversation of all these really cool projects coming out. And creating anticipation that I think that's one of the most exciting parts of film and television for me is like the anticipation of I can't wait to see Killers of the Flower Moon. I can't wait to see Echo come out to talk about that excitement and to share that excitement with 
just anyone really just a bit, uh, people on the podcast people and you know in in life and whether or not they live up to our expectations that's you know that's another thing but just getting to talk about how great dark winds was how sad we were that res dogs had to end yeah i guess just the just general excitement of projects coming out projects that are that are here discovering i had never seen talking about a year ago i had never seen um Palo highway until i listened to the podcast so yeah just my it, just overall excitement about indigenous cinema being able to talk about it if that makes sense yeah so, absolutely does that, does that make sense yeah definitely makes yeah. sense i think that's why we're all here on this podcast is because we're yeah. excited about because y'all some shit talking motherfuckers we do like to talk a lot yeah okay sunrise is that you you're left for number one yeah, you keep yeah you always keep pointing that out yeah i um yeah, i'm very similar to those two sentiments uh but mo- maybe most specifically the recognition that people are giving our creative natives uh especially when it you know like we're seeing lily go up for all of these awards now the fact that she won a gotham for the unknown country and the fact that it's like one of four films that she's in this year and there's the potential for more awards and perhaps you know for killers she'll probably get nominated and at least there'll be a campaign and people will recognize her and value her contribution and the fact that almost every time i hear people talk about that film they talk about how that film it can't function without her right and that people want more of of her character number one and they want to see more of her performance it just speaks to the value that people have about her role what it means to hear that particular story and then to, to value that artist's contribution those are two really incredible things and you know killers unknown country is getting recognized non-indigenous filmmaker um, but at least her presence is being recognized and then you know i'm sure when fancy dance comes out it will also secure some sort of recognition uh, critical hopefully through awards and then quantum cowboys is another work that she's got so uh, you know to some degree lily gladstone it's it's really ending as her year but also you know like sterling also had a great year even though we're all mourning res dogs everybody seems to be really recognizing his value and uh, all these awards which he deserves uh, really prove how valuable people perceive this work and this kind of voice and um that's really important just for the future just that critics or organizations are willing to award these particular individuals that will give them better cachet going forward for whatever projects that they want to make. And that's going to open the doors more for whoever follows or whoever they're holding the door for, um, that we are not just viable as something of interest or that we make money, uh, but also that we are critically valued and that we contribute on like a, a, you know, that means we can contrast and compare to everybody that makes art. It's not just because of the fact that we're indigenous so like you know the fact that we're getting recognized in those ways is amazing and i just foresee this happening more for some of these actors and you know it's hard not to talk about killers killers is not necessarily my favorite thing but you know the fact that we're also seeing actors from that cast getting recognized it's great to see yancey out there constantly i feel like people are starting to recognize the the importance of that particular name that's just going to give the story and the origins and the people more weight as we go forward. Um, same thing with Addie. 
you know, I kind of started talking about Devery, but, you know, on the other side is Addie and people hearing these two voices kind of contrast with each other. That's a really amazing moment in social media and not critics, but just like the fact that there's so many followers that are willing to listen and then news fronts that are willing to take these voices and push them. Like that's another part of this. So like all these people who are willing to support in all these different ways, it's really incredible. That is what we need to push forward and beyond this, whatever this new front that we're in. That's probably my number one. There is a hidden or maybe a runner up, which is that there's this, um, there is this graphic novel that came out this year called The Res Detectives. Our own Tully Jacob, one of the uh, creators of this with Stephen Paul Judd, MK Peeker, right? So like that came out nice hardback. I ran out and got one whenever that started getting pumped out. It came up with this nice card called the Res Dog Detective Agency. You sign it, I guess, and you become certified as a res detective. So hopefully, you know, like, there's more content. Obviously, there's Marvel material that's coming out, but like the fact that we have creatives that are creating uh, original material that could spawn its own series. My assumption is that you know this could turn into its own series somehow. Right? Tell you, you have any? You have any? Yeah. Y'all fund us, and and actually, that came out last year, I believe. Oh yeah, it's the second printing, 2022. Ah, uh, okay, yeah. So yeah, but the second printing did come out this year. So there's a second printing. Everybody, get out there and buy one. <laughs> Christmas time, buy one for your friends, your family, and the, yeah, and uh, I, uh, oh yeah, that was the other thing I, I didn't get to mention either because Angela h- held up Earth Divers, which was a Earth a, Divers, yeah, a really good, really good fucking comic book, and it was published by a, a mainstream company, and it's about a IDW publishing who are really good at getting stuff done, and it's about a Almost like the Hitler question, right? Will we go back in time and kill Hitler? And this is mm-hmm. about what would we do? Could we go back in time to kill Christopher Columbus? How would that happen? It's a badass book. Great writer, guest of the show. Not yet, but that would be a great interview. But uh, yeah, but a highlight of the show, right? We've discussed his work before. We oh, no, the his... highlight of the show. I'm sorry. Yeah, he wasn't a guest. Yeah. We talked about his book. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Aaron Tripp was on and discussed his his work. Yeah, yeah. So we're, we're putting that out in the world for him to be on the show. <laughs> I have to say, you know, one of my runner-ups for number one would was going to be all of the literature that came out this year by Native right. authors. Never Whistle at Night. Angelina or Angeline Boulay had her second novel come out. The Shutter Book. Yeah, Oscar Hokia's book. book. Yeah, the Hokia. Uh, Calling for a Blanket Dance. There's been some amazing Native books this year. Uh, the trilogy, you know, the final Stephen Graham Jones novel from his trilogy is is finally out. And I don't think we said that, but yeah, Stephen Graham Jones is the writer of Earth Divers, the comic book. Stephen Paul Judd had a story in Ghostwriter. What's that? Marvel. Oh, comics. He got to he got to write for an issue of Ghostwriter. As did our friend Mr. Stephen Paul Judd. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what he just said. That's what he said. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were talking about the other guy. No, it's not Stephen Graham Jones. Stephen Paul Judd. Steve How many Stevens Sorry. in this goddamn world? <laughs> I know. Oh, you're anti-Steven. I just want to even Steven. You want to even Steven. Well, there, that's two. Well, uh, any any brief runner-ups from anyone else? Tully? Oh, I guess that was mine, whatever I said. The Earth Divers yeah, one. Earth is Divers, a, is a good yeah. one. We, yeah. should, we should probably talk about that one. And just going yeah. on like about Sterling is like, he's not done, you know, Res Dog may be over, but 
he's got a lot of shit going on in the pipeline and some shit we probably don't even know about. So we just need to be standing by waiting for his next big thing. And then like with Lily, I'm saying give her all the awards, give her all the money, let her, you know, just fucking do her thing because her shit's good. She's a badass actor. Devery, same with Devery, man. Give her all the money. Let her make the movies. Let her do what she needs to do to do whatever fuck she needs to do. You know what I'm saying? Get them all. I'm getting both on the covers of all the glossy magazines because those photo shoots of Devery and Lily have been amazing. But we need, uh, you know, we need all of these actors. You know, it'd be great for Tatanka to be on these covers a little bit more. Or any of those women in Killers, Kara, Janae, Jillian, they could all be given more money and support and awards. Mm-hmm. For reals. Yeah, Tatanka is a talented cat too, man. He can do serious. He can do funny. What's his boy's name right here? Lowdown? You got a runner up? Matt. <laughs> Matt, no. I, I think mean, he I'm gave sure. one. I'm sure <laughs> I do. I think yeah, we all he, gave like 20 of them. SPJ. SPJ. Yeah, yeah talk about Steven. <laughs> did we talk about shit that we didn't talk, some shit we didn't talk about that we want to praise like in the past year? Like, or talk about like, oh, we didn't talk about fucking Taika Waititi had a movie that came out. It may not have done well in the theaters, but it was a good yeah. sweet. Yeah. Oh, you didn't like it, Lowdown? I haven't seen it, but it's just, it's getting... Things we haven't had time to talk it, about. It, you yeah. know what? It's not even in the theater anymore. Yeah, it's kind of... Oh. Yeah, I thought it was sweet. Did you watch it, Sonny? I did not. I couldn't get to it. Oh, it was, it was a sweet movie. I mean, it was basic. I mean, you know, talking about TV movie, it would have been better as a TV movie, but it was still a fun, funny movie. Uh, all I see are articles about how Taika's up and down now, and that maybe it's like people are questioning their uh, their like of him. Uh, okay, well, uh, hopefully that if you if you haven't caught any of that material that we're talking about, hopefully you go search it out. I'm sure you're going to catch some of the things we didn't talk about. I'm sure at some point we're going to catch up to some things we, we didn't get to mention. Um, we'll come back around, especially now that we're we're dealing with an end of the strike. So hopefully we'll be dealing with actors, writers, producers, directors, getting them on board to talk a little bit about what happened. Uh, for content that we missed but of course there's always more content coming so uh, we already kind of mentioned echo so be on the lookout for all those things there's going to be no dark winds if you haven't seen quantum cowboys fancy dance those things will be coming so uh, make sure you look out for all those things um maybe even bad press i feel like that might be you know res ball not even out so um, be on the lookout for some of those things i guess uh thanks for listening as usual, this probably went a little bit longer, so we appreciate your time, especially at the end of the year, probably balancing between a lot of things. So we thank you for your time. I would like to say a special thank you to our listeners. We've gained so many people that have subscribed and are downloading our episodes, and we couldn't do this without you, our listener. So thank you for your support. Yeah, of course. I mean, this doesn't exist without them. So, And, and um, you guys can also find us on our social informations, right? We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. You can find us at uh, Real Indigenous Podcasts on Facebook, at Real underscore Indigenous on Twitter or X. And then, of course, the Real Indigenous Pod on Instagram. And, of course, we have a Patreon. Um, you should visit all those things um, and, uh, you know, catch up, maybe. Spread the word. That would be amazing if you could. But uh, thanks for listening and, and please keep it up. So in the meantime, we'll catch you next time, same Indigenous time, same Indigenous channel. And remember, don't just keep it real. Keep it real. Real Indigenous.
Das, das, das. <lacht> <lacht>